0: (laughs) Testing. Checking. Yes. Let's go.
1: What's up, amigos y familia? It's me, Chef Josh. Welcome to The Family Cast, Food and Music is Life. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between, I say that most respectfully, um, have I got a show for you today? Yeah. One of my one of my heroes, one of my uh, at least uh, songwriting and musical heroes in my own career is on the show today, Mr. Russ Rankin, mostly known probably... From the band Good Riddance, Santa Cruz, California, hardcore punk band Good Riddance, is on the show today, and we're not just talking about Good Riddance. We're going to be talking about a whole bunch of stuff, as you'll hear in the conversation. Um, he's a because he's a hockey scout. He is a we, we talk about we talk about coffee and plant-based milk, and his own solo career as a musician and how that's uh, how that's progressed throughout the years. and a a bunch of other cool stuff actually and and we get a little bit deep we got we got we get pretty personal and deep in there in in different parts in this conversation so it's gonna it's gonna be a good one i'm I'm gonna i'm just gonna tell you now it's it's a good one that's about all for the intro i'm not gonna go too long because uh, i want to get into the conversation so thanks for listening I appreciate you all. Anyways, food and music is life, yes. Obviously, uh, Russ Rankin is not in the food world, but he's in the music world. So we're gonna talk about some of that stuff. And so uh, share the show with a friend, especially if they like anything like uh, Good Riddance and 90s music, nineties punk music like Fat, from Fat Records. And uh, now he's on a few different record labels with his solo stuff, so I'm, I'm gonna talk about that right in the beginning there. And we're gonna get into the conversation with Russ. Follow this show on Instagram, I'm at the family cast if you want to make a donation to keep this show afloat, you can either subscribe to Patreon. The links are in the show notes, patreon.com forward slash family cast or, uh, Venmo me personally at Joshua CK. That's Joshua Ak on Venmo. Uh, there's links in the show notes for all this stuff. There's links in the bio on the Instagram page to the YouTube channel, stuff like that. So there's different ways to support the show and to, just to keep it going. Cause I have, I have some, a lot more people I want to talk to a lot more people I should talk to that I don't know about yet, but I want you to help me out with that. And, um, yeah. So, so shout out to you for sticking around and we're going to get into the conversation with Mr. Russ Rankin. Okay. That's enough. Let's dig in. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone in between. Of course, I'm sitting here with Mr. Russ Rankin, uh, whom you may know from being a hockey scout or <laughs> all his time singing in the band Good Riddance out of Santa Cruz, California. And of course, solo musicianship. And of course, back in the day, doing some some independent writings and such. We're gonna I want to touch on some of that too, because I haven't seen that in a minute, but I would like to see more of that, right, Russ? <laughs> um, too. But yeah. So welcome to the family cast, Food and Music is Life. Yes. The reason I have you on, sir is because not only are you a musician and you have you also have stuff to say about certain things in the food industry, but as well as being a lover of coffee, <laughs> I know that from a couple of people that that know you love coffee. And I, so I definitely want to talk to you about that as well on here. And I see that you're in a room with music equipment behind you. So, uh, we're going to talk about all that fun stuff. And of course, I'm a Good Riddance fan. And so I don't want to touch too much on that because you talk about that a lot probably in your interviews. And I do want to talk about the, your solo album, which just came out pretty recently, right? A couple months ago, all across the world, different labels. <laughs> I know there's at least two, and three involved in that process. Three. Yes. Yeah. Bam. And of course, All-Star Group, Only Crime, shout out Aaron, and all the um, other good musicians that you work with in that. So, yeah lots lots of fun stuff and unfortunately i only have we only have a certain amount of time to talk so sir if we can get started on this how's it been going with the new record
2: i'm not really sure as far as like units sold and the business end of it i i'm more eh. so just just how do you feel i i think it's like because it was it's been so long since my first one i just really wanted to put together something that reflected how much i've learned Mm-hmm. in the in the interceding time my first album i was just starting to play out as a right. solo artist i was really just sort of teaching myself how to play guitar properly i've always been a guy that like would just bang on an on electric guitar like mm-hmm. johnny ramon chords yeah write, write good ridden songs and then kind of show them to luke and then he would play them better and then when i started doing the solo thing i uh i wanted to play Learn how to play acoustic, and I didn't know how, and it's quite a learning curve for me. It was anyway. And when I recorded my first album, I was just coming around to it. Like I didn't even know what a capo was. I didn't use a capo on that first record. I had no idea what that was. Like the first, first stab at it. I think it turned out all right. But like this album, uh, I think I have learned some things over the years about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, how to what I wanted out of a, a solo album. And I think I got better at playing, I hope yeah, for sure and just experimenting <laughs> more with experimenting more with different different uh elements I, I don't know, I just feel like it's I feel like it's a stronger album as it should be, and I'm happy with how it turned out and I was really happy that I was able to do it at the blasting room with people that I know who were so helpful and so uh inspirational and in helping me get that done
1: yeah, well, congrats on it, it sounds it sounds really good, I mean yeah it's I don't want to say it's night and day from the uh, Catalonia, but it's it's good. It's really like it is a different sound. you've matured, of course, it's been a while since you wrote the other one but but also it's just the the clarity on that and just the production value and I don't know uh, there's there's other obviously other music musical instruments on it. um but the things that you're saying come out loud and clear, and I can hear that <laughs> it does sound similar to some of your other writings and your other music projects, of course, but like it's you and one thing I did want to ask is how do you know when a song is going to be for which which band or whatever, yourself or Good Riddance or Only Crime or even it's, other stuff? It's
2: pretty, so I don't write music for Only Crime. Okay. It's usually the music for that band is way over my pay grade as far as what I could render <laughs> on an instrument. Like I, There's a song called Just Us, which I wrote. And there's a song, you know what that uh, sedated, I wrote on the mm-hmm. first only crime album and then just justice on the second only crime album. Those are songs that I wrote on guitar, but generally the only crime stuff is way more like just fucked up chords and oblong time signatures and just <laughs> things that are like, I'm just sitting there with a notepad and a pen and just trying to hang on by the skin of my teeth and you're not, like not guys fall wait. behind. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it's that's a no, when I'm writing, well, typically, I'm either writing for good riddance or like in this case, when Stefan hit me up uh, from spam to do this record, I hadn't been thinking about a solo album. I didn't really have anything. Okay. And so I sat down like with the focused intent of writing a solo album. So I was in that mindset. Uh, I think that once I start playing something, it's pretty, pretty clear what it's for. Cause the good riddance stuff is going to have faster chord changes and mm-hmm. And it's going to lend itself to a more aggressive approach. Whereas the solo stuff is going to typically be a little more laid back, simpler chord structures, basically just a bed to lay a vocal melody over. Uh, so that's, those are sort of like the, the North stars that I would, I would use if
1: I was writing. Yeah. Good hockey reference there. Um, do you have a, do you, do you have any kind of like songwriting rituals for that kind of solo stuff where you go out surfing or like you meditate or, cause I hear, I hear a lot of good melodies in there and, some of it is a little almost reminiscent of like Tony Sly, too. Um, uh, well, that's know, a just, huge compliment because that's I hear it a little bit. I heard it and uh, that's the man right there, contemplating last day or uh, considering last days or some considering the end, yeah. yeah, considering the end, yeah. Um, just really melodic, but you're saying something super serious, and um, just I just felt that one. I, I, I tend to be
2: when I'm when I'm writing proactively, like whether it's good riddance or this, mm-hmm. I make myself pick up my guitar every day for at least two hours, whether I'm feeling it or not, and whether anything comes of it or not, I just sort of do that exercise. And generally like that, that will start forming into being productive.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, some, sometimes like, I I'll be out in the water and like a, a line of lyric will come into my head or a vocal melody or I'll be driving or something like that. Anytime that that happens, if I, as soon as I can, I try to get someplace where I can commit it to to paper or yeah, before you or forget some, it or something. Yeah. Like there's so many things that have come and gone just, you know, and as I'm older and all the pot I smoked when I was a teenager, it's like, I probably have like four or five brain cells left and <laughs> it's, it's tough, it's tough up there. And so I'm trying to uh, not, not let that stuff come and go, but, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think every songwriter's process is different and the way people get yeah. inspired. It's interesting for me to hear other people. Uh, I, I paid for a, like a Zoom masterclass kind of thing with Rhett Miller, who is my favorite songwriter. And you know, there was like 150 of us on there with him and watching him write a song in front of us, like watching his process was,
1: mm-hmm.
2: was really, really cool and, and inspiring. Inspiring, and, yeah. Yeah, and so it's t- just trying to like talk to other songwriters and think, you know, cherry pick their best practices and see what, see what works for them. Is why, why Rhett Miller, if I may ask. You know, uh, years ago I was getting tattooed and the tattoo artist he hates, he hates punk rock. So if you're getting tattooed by this guy, you're not going to hear any punk rock. And so (laughs) he was playing an old 97s who I had never heard before. Mm -hmm. I'm not a country, I'm not a country guy, but I was like, wow, this is like, it kind of sounds like X and it kind of sounds like it's got some punk in it and uh so i just dove into the old 97s at, at nice. that time and became a fan and then just realizing that for me i just feel like he's his lyrics and his songwriting are, are just the top like there's nobody better and like he when when i hear a rhett miller song whether it's a solo song or old 97 song mm-hmm. specifically a few and i have in mind like it just makes you want to quit ever trying to write music again Cause it's there's no way i'll ever get anything <laughs> like that you pro- why approaches that yeah like yeah. why even bother like time to go see if they need help at taco bell you know <laughs> so i just i love his songwriting and so getting a chance to sit in and be kind of a fly on the wall for his his process was really cool and i and i learned a lot and i've taken it to heart and i used some of the things i learned on the new album uh, but everybody's different all the songwriters that i know yeah, are different. For me, I, I try to take the blue collar approach. Like, pick up the guitar every day, whether or not you want to, whether or not anything comes of it. But just get in the habit of banging on the guitar. Maybe it's while I'm watching a hockey game or doing something else on TV. But like, have that guitar in my hand, be banging on it, and then sooner or later, it's like, whoa, those two chords sound really good together. Yeah. Like, I wonder what comes after that, and then like, oh wow, I wonder what. Let me try to do some vocal melodies over this, and I'll sing like you know, just kind of some gibberish words sure. to like get some kind of like flow da, da, da. yeah yeah so that's that's my process you know and it for what for, for sure. better or worse it's it's worked up till now
1: that's a i i mean i know we talked a little bit uh offline that you said you weren't very chefy but that's exactly what chefy that that is the chef at least my punk rock chef approach is that's how i do it in the kitchen too <laughs> i'm not maybe i'm not classically trained in culinary school or, you know, high art degree in culinary, but that's exactly how I make a menu or a pairing or a song in the kitchen, I mean, a, a food in the kitchen is that same approach. And I think that's a, it, it's been to my, um, not my benefit, but like, that's, that's how i learned to do it. Basically, I I pick the chefs that I like, or the food that I like, and I say, I want to make it my own way, you know or is there another version i can do of that that's like that but better like you know or i don't know so i totally get that as far as putting it into my own um career field doing it that way the punk i call it the punk rock approach and because maybe i'm not measuring things the same way or like it would be songwriting or maybe i'm not
2: yeah well like i i never i never took a music class like i don't i don't know what i'm doing really like i i just sort of I, I taught myself how to play guitar because I was tired of trying to write lyrics over other people's things. And and then when Tony said like I should start doing solo stuff, I'd never thought of it before. And then I wanted to learn how to play acoustic guitar properly. I didn't want to just try to do Johnny Ramone chords on an acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. And so all of this stuff has been like not, it hasn't come super easy to me, but it's one of those things like you're talking about with the cooking. Like if it's if it's what you're passionate about, then you find a way. Like you you can, yeah. there's no, there doesn't have to be a textbook way to do it. And a lot of us in, in the punk world, whatever we do, you know, as far as like our profession or stuff, we're, we're self-made or self-taught, yeah. you know, we, we like society DIY. was like, society was like, you got to do this. And we are like, no, fuck that. We're going to do this. Yeah. And It may be a little bit tougher, but I'm going to be more stoked at the end of it. Cause I yeah. discovered it, discovered it myself.
1: Yeah. And, and yeah, so that's, I think that's a good approach for a lot of things in life, I guess, just making it a daily habit, ritual, whatever you're going to do to get to where you're going. Right. Um, and I know it's been a long journey for, for me doing that, but like, I've, I mean, I've, of course I've written, I mean, I've, uh, you know, I'm not always a, what, a master chef, but I make some good shit, but, and there's going to be some things that people don't like. And I'm like, well, that's, <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> I don't know. I How can I change yeah, it? And make it better I for mean, you? If, if I yeah. was,
2: if I was Sting, or if I went to Juilliard, I, I might not have these problems, but like I didn't, those, that's not me. Like I, it's, yeah. my thing is very blue collar. Like I'm going to grab that guitar. I'm going to play it for two hours at least. And, and I'm going to trust the process that sooner or later, something's going to come, come up. And then for me, typically when I'm writing the first couple songs are the hardest and then hmm. things start flowing after that. Like it's once, once that machine gets turned on, like it's, it's kind of hard to turn it off and that's yeah, how it's going to for me. Yeah
1: i love that yeah um so so does that mean you're still writing are you continuing to write more solo stuff new new albums are in the works because you have so much flow
2: well like today i was i was banging on my guitar and and like i stumbled onto a melody that i liked so so who knows like yeah uh, it's i'm i'm playing my guitar more now doing these guitar exercises for my fingers because i noticed i just played some east coast shows and the person that I was playing with, who's a much better guitar player than me, I asked them for feedback. And they said that they said I really needed to train my fingers better because because oh, acoustic okay. acoustic guitar chords, pretty much every finger is on a string, like you're hitting every string on the guitar.
1: Yeah. Calluses. And
2: so and, and, but <laughs> for me, it's more so that like I'm not hitting them. Uh, there's there's buzzing. I'm like kind of not hitting a note clean or I've got my fingers yeah. like touching another string. And so this person's feedback was that I need to get my fingers stronger and more accurate so that when I fret these chords, every single time they're clean. Nice. And, and I think that's great feedback. And so they, they and then they sent me a, a YouTube video of a guy who does, does these crazy exercises on the acoustic guitar. And I've just been doing that and they're really fucking hard and your hand hurts like hell by the end of it. But like, I'm, I'm just yeah. like, Okay, if I if I do this enough times, my playing will get better because that's, you know, like I, I can sing. Okay. I think these songs are fairly solid and, and I like doing the live thing and I think I've gotten better at the the banter and the presentation of it. And I, I enjoy mm-hmm. it, but that like the, my actual guitar playing is the biggest opportunity for me.
1: And so how can I address that and improve that? I guess it's, yeah, it's good to know your, your goals. And I like get not, I hate saying weaknesses, but yeah, opportunities, weaknesses to, as a, as you progress to get better at things, I, wor- I worked at Apple for
2: 15 years. Whenever
1: you were fucking up, they would tell you, "These are your these are your opportunities." So I just thought, also, <laughs> See, that stuff. Also, really- you've definitely heard that, yeah. yeah. Um, I know my brother worked there for a long time down here, um, but I was bound to miss you when you played in San Diego. You were with throwing with Trevor. um
2: yeah.
1: I missed that show. I had four weddings that weekend, so I was like, "Yeah." Um, but uh, how do you how do you like when you come down to San Diego? You like you know, same vibe as Santa Cruz or what's that, what's that like?
2: I love San Diego. I, I just, uh, I mean, our band has always had amazing shows there ever since back in the day with when we used to play Soma all the time. Yeah. I've been to most of them. Uh, and <laughs> we've had good, great fans in San Diego and I just love the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's like Santa Cruz. I mean, it's on, it's a beach town and, yeah. And stuff, but I just, I love I love the vibe there. I've, I've always loved San Diego. Like I would, I would go there like if the Giants were playing the Padres I would go down nice. for a weekend and just watch I mean I haven't done this yet but I've always thought about it cuz like I love I want to go to a game at Petco Park and I've played a solo show there with Dropkick Murphys I opened for them at yeah. Petco Park but uh yeah but I would love to go to a, a Giants game cuz I'm a Giants fan and the and um so you yeah, can see you just,
1: played these stadium shows <laughs> yeah
2: like the back our my backstage when I opened for the Dropkick Murphys was a was was a suite in the one of those little like rooms that like little little private balcony
1: yeah yeah it's a nice stadium um i I even saw you i saw you one time here with only crime and at the zombie lounge and it was like you know 50 50 of us in there and like uh that was just that was super fun um and then next you know two weeks later i saw zach playing in i mean not zach uh Yeah, Zach Blair was playing. He played Rise Against at the sports arena, so or so like went from like fifty people to the zombie lounge to like however many people. Yeah, that was was that was crazy.
2: He he already he he was leaving us, and he, but he wasn't gonna leave us hanging for that tour. So, but he was he was definitely um, it was sort of bittersweet because we were playing these shows, but he was Mm -hmm. every every all day long he was like had his headphones on learning all the Rise Against songs, and (laughs) yet he had one foot out the door. Dang. He, was, he was on to bigger and better things. We're happy for him. Whenever, whenever, whenever anybody sure. makes it, whenever anybody makes it out of the barrio, you know, you're happy for him.
1: Exactly. That's what, yeah. I mean, kind of. That's kind of how we say it in San Diego too. Um, <laughs> but uh, how long have you been uh, vegan? Actually, how long have you had a vegan diet? Since 1993. 93. Okay. Yeah. That's um, and then it's just like 100% always true to yeah. that, or yeah. Okay, that's good. Um, I don't know do any you,
2: other way to do it.
1: I know that there are some things out there where people are like, "Oh, I just... I don't know." Do, do I, you? Um, do you? Have you learned how to like do any of the cooking for yourself in that realm? Or I know you said you're not very chefy, but like, because um, we I, do a lot. I do,
2: of- I do the bare bones. I, I suck. Like, I, I'm not a good cook, and <laughs> I don't. I don't. I'm not willing to take the time to try to be one. And there's a couple. There's like three recipes that I know how to make. And if, if there's recipes like longer than like like seven lines, and then I'm, I'm out, like I'm not going to do it. so I, I, can, <laughs> check, yeah, I can check I the can lines on the recipes? A, yeah, I can cook like three things without fucking it up too bad. So:
1: Hey, yeah, I tell, I tell my students, you only need to learn really how to cook one good thing, and it goes from there. It kind of evolves from that, you know. It's kind of but, like- I, but I know
2: people who, maybe like you, like I, I know people who are, especially in the, in the vegan world, be, be, ter, becoming vegan like before they knew it, they loved cooking where they never had before because they were like Mm -hmm. sort of left on their own. This is especially true. You know, longer, longer time ago when like, wow, okay. Like what my parents are cooking me is not going to work. What my friends want to eat is not going to work. Like I'm on my own. Like I got to figure something out. And so people Mm -hmm. by necessity would start their own thing and then find out that they fucking loved cooking. Yeah. And, And so like, and I know tons of people like that. That just wasn't. That's just
1: not my story. Yeah, I mean, you can. You can only put your focus in so many things and give it a hundred percent each time, or you know, not a hundred percent to each thing. So stick with those three. I'll send you some recipes. Whatever. um My one of my sales reps brought me in uh, vegan crab cakes today. That was pretty bomb. Uh, so it's it's inspiring to learn about all these new ways to make vegan alternatives and stuff like that. Uh, we have a Yeah, lot of that's what I mean. Like, like so.
2: people, people who are lo- people who love being creative, they're like oh, cool. How can I do that? Or that looks cool. Or like, Mm -hmm. what if I made, what if I made this meat thing, but vegan, like no one's ever done that before. Like, I'm going to find a way, like people are channeling their creativity in this, in this way, because it started out just by necessity. Like I'm vegan. I'm on my own. I got to make my own food. And like people, people are discovering like, this is
1: super creative and I love it. And like, what else can I do? You know, it sucks when, um, I, I'm sure you've probably experienced it in the music world. I'm, i I made a recipe, and I kind of, I partnered with this company, a chef company, and, and it was a vegan ceviche, and it went kind of, it got kind of big or whatever. But there was a lot of flack saying that's not really ceviche and blah blah. It's not. That. I'm like, I know. I'm trying to make alternatives. I'm trying to make this new dish or whatever. And, and I feel like it's could be the same in songwriting. It's like I'm, I'm not trying to be the next No Effects or whatever the case may be. I, I'm, we're doing this stuff, and I know that. I feel like Good Rinse always had a special place in my music catalog because it didn't sound like a lot of the other punk bands that I was listening to, or whatever. it was more leaning in my heart. It was more leaning towards the hardcore side of my heart, you know, like the hardcore punk stuff. And you were always a nod to the California's hardcore scene and stuff like that. So I always thought that it was special, and I think that's why I really latched onto the band itself because the stuff you're saying and the way it sounded and the the, the history behind the sound. And I don't know. I just always. I like I guess the I don't know i guess the, the 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 approach that the band took and the I could tell the way the songwriting was, and I could also hear some of your your influences in that um you know, so that was always i th- i guess it's uh, that that punk rock ethos of we don't really we like these bands, but we're gonna we're gonna tread this path you know um are you do you feel feel like you're writing that way on your solo stuff and you're collaborating with these other musicians that make your solo stuff sound so so big and everything i think that
2: my this this solo album my newest one benefited from the blasting room and just from the superior production and the equipment and the combined knowledge mm-hmm. of like three or four guys that have forgotten more about recording great music than i'll ever know and but at the same time my first album was so cool because my friend paul Miner down in orange At his studio, he's produced it and engineered it with me, and neither of us had done anything like it before. Mm. And we were both just like, "Fuck, what do we do?" Like, and we just tried (laughs) stuff, yeah. And we just stumbled into like, at the end of the day, like to me, that record sounds better than it had any right to, mostly because of Paul, Paul's engineering and production work, and like his little like piano lick melodies and like his idea, like, "Hey, let's put this here." And so, like, I just benefit from from working with good people and. And in the blasting room it was mostly bill doing my vocals and andrew berlin uh, who was engineered and produced my guitar and Mm -hmm. i learned a lot from that Uh, i've never played that much guitar in my life i realized (laughs) i realized like they made you play more no like when you record with your band there's always parts of the day where like or the week where it's not your turn
1: oh
3: yeah
2: Mm -hmm. but when you do a solo album like it's never not your turn and right So me and Andrew would do guitars every day for like four hours, because I would do, you know, one acoustic guitar on this, this side, I'd grab a different acoustic guitar for that side, maybe a third (laughs) in the middle, maybe some electric guitar. I did all the bass, maybe do some leads. Two at the same time. Yeah. It was just, you know, my, my, my calluses were just so brutal. Like, I'm just not, I'm not a guitar player. I'm not used to that kind of like Mm -hmm. constant hammering. And so, and then we take a break and then Bill would show up and we would, I would sing till like nine o'clock at night. And it was Hard the same work. thing every day. So it was a lot of just a lot of work. Uh, but it it was it was worth it. Like and, and the things yeah. that Andrew was having me do on guitar, like I learned a lot from him, things that I use when I play now that I didn't think of before. So I'm super grateful.
1: That's that's um that's really cool. That's uh you sound you sound like you you know so you stay pretty humble with all your stuff you said you know you talked about you, you talked a little bit about only crime being above your pay grade and like you know you had a good team producing this and you attribute like good reasons to being good members and so like so like you know did you learn something along your life that made you think like that like it takes a really good surrounding you to make yourself better
2: i think you know without without getting to like psych evaluation, like I, I just, I've always been really <laughs> like down on myself and I don't know why, like i have not ever really
3: mm-hmm.
2: I don't think that there's, I don't think I have much to offer. I don't think that I'm very good at anything. Hmm. And I don't know where that comes from. I've gone to therapy for it and nothing, no one's ever you know, figured out. Like my parents were kick-ass. They were supporting and loving and I don't mm-hmm. know what that's from. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of people who are the opposite, who aren't that way. And maybe maybe I didn't think it was appealing when I saw it, and so I sort of like reverted to the other way. I'm not really sure, but I I don't like to be boastful. I don't think that I'm doing anything that that great. Uh, I'm if if it if people dig it, that of course that makes me happy. Yeah, and I'm I feel like I'm really fortunate to have been able to travel the world and play music. Uh, Not everybody gets to do that, Uh, Mm -hmm. so I'm super grateful for. All those opportunities but i don't think i'm anything special
1: oh well i'm sure some of your some of your fans would beg to differ have, have you written any songs about that feeling or the that that uh place in your life or whatever in in, in your all of your career have you no on i mean, I mean there's all? a lot
2: of there's a lot of songs about just like crippling crippling uh depression and mm-hmm. mostly op, like operation phoenix i was i was in a really really bad place spiritually and emotionally and like that record is just like I can't listen to it. It's so depressing. It's so like dark and uh not a place that I would want to ever go back to or be in for very long. And 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 like maybe some some solid music came out of it. And maybe for some people it's relatable and it helps them. But for me it's just it's a reminder of like what'll happen to me if I don't if I don't take care of myself spiritually. I can get back to that kind of Kind of place,
1: and you find some of that spiritual spirituality in the water, you know, yeah, for sure. Or or just like,
2: or just staying, staying like right sized, like staying a worker among workers, like doing things for other people, like being of service, Mm -hmm. uh, helping my friends, like calling people up that I know and asking how their day is, uh, just things to like not think about
1: myself, anything I can do to not think about myself other people centered. in <laughs> yeah do you have people in your life that are calling you and asking you to in that
2: yeah it's it's a give and take you know it's okay. like i i have i have uh men in my life that i that i call and or text and like just check in and and i'm current with them and like if i know somebody's going through like a breakup or you know i'm, I'm at the age now where a lot of our parents are are in failing health and so yeah a lot of guys that I, a lot of my friends and my peers are beginning to deal with that kind of stuff, which is, you know, yeah. both of my parents passed away in 2020. So I know all about that. Mm, and so sorry. it's, uh, it's a huge, you know, it's, it's like everyone knows it's going to happen, but there's really no way to prepare for it. And so no, no. being able to be, be, be a source of support or, or even some like helpful information, like, Oh, I went through that. This is what I did mm-hmm. kind of thing like that, that, that enables me to be a service.
1: 100. Yes exactly that's a um man i i don't know are there are there not to touch on it too much but are there songs that you listen to that help you like kind of get through those times when you're feeling like low on yourself or do you go, do you go to certain music like rhett miller or bad religion or well, i don't know so like
2: that 99 was when we recorded operation phoenix and mm-hmm. that was as bad as it got and then and then that year we came back from a european tour and i was like suicidally depressed and just Oh man! And I was thinking to myself, you know, like I, I get to travel the world to play music. I got like, I have a place to live. I have people that care about me. Like I shouldn't mm-hmm. be feeling this way. Like, this is this is a, uh, this shouldn't be like this, you know. And then I got myself squared around again spiritually and got back into the sort of the rituals and the routines of taking care of myself that I had strayed from, and I have not strayed since. And so I've been able to weather some some pretty rough rough times in the intervening years without ever having to like regress to that level of of like self-destruction
1: hmm. mentally and emotionally that's pretty huge actually um because i know a lot of people struggle with that my wife's a therapist and like it so yeah. i i don't know I, we just talk about it a lot but w- would you mind if i asked you what you do kind of to spiritually center yourself or do you yoga do you- meditation centering anything like that
2: no my like like everything else my spirituality is pretty blue, blue collar like it's just hitting my knees and saying a few simple prayers that i was told to say and and um checking in on other people it's it's mostly just being a service like being mm-hmm. being available and being of service and putting others ahead of myself like thinking about other people mm-hmm. and what can i do for them and it's it's mostly inside of the kind of the recovery world but it's also just day to day, like, Hey, like out at the store, like, Hey, you dropped this or like, Oh, you yeah. only have one thing, please go ahead of me. Like just th- little, little things like that being, that, good, the, you know, that it, when I'm not, when I'm not doing that kind of thing, I'm all I'm thinking about is myself and I can't even see other people or what they may or may not need or how I may be of service. And so being able to be open mm. to that yeah. and to be able to, to like put some good into the world every day a little bit and to see what I can do for other people instead of what can I get out of it.
1: Yeah. That all that stuff keeps my mind right. That's, that's, that's huge. Is that part of PMA? Is that part of like uh, a recovery kind of model thinking or, cause that's, that's really like, that's really. It's, re- it's
2: recovery stuff. Yeah. It's all it's self-aware. Stuff. That's
1: really big self-awareness that a lot of people don't even know about themselves, you know? Like, but it's, uh,
2: it's just, it's things that other men taught me. Like it's not, there's nothing that I, Like, I don't get
1: to, I'm
2: not going to pat myself on the back for it. It's like, it's things other men taught me.
1: What I, what I, well, that's, that's good. I think, I think what I've learned also from other men is it's sometimes it's okay to take some credit for some of the stuff you did, even though you acknowledge that you have that community of warriors around you and stuff like that. Like, or these guys, men, friends, brothers, I think that it's okay sometimes uh, for us to say, oh yeah, I guess I made that good food and they liked it. So yeah, I have a good chef team, but thank you. You know, I appreciate that. so, you know, if I say, hey, you wrote this really good song and I can relate to, you know, the lyrics in that, you know, I'm not saying I want, I'm not trying to, I guess, pat you on the back per se. I'm more like, dude, I could totally relate and we relate on this human and spiritual yeah, no, level. I, I know what you, you mean.
2: Yeah. For me, progress is I can, I can, t- I can receive that and I can say thank you. Whereas in the old days, I would have tried to talk you out of it or said you were Yeah. Wrong. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, what I, so today I can say thank you and I can take it in. Yeah. Well, and i can appreciate and i can appreciate that somebody that that's somebody's uh point of view and that it's valid that it's real for them uh so that's that's progress for me
1: yeah that's that sounds like mature progress I, like, um i mean i i didn't know you at in 99 but like that's that's huge for you to be able to acknowledge you're lucky you know? it was not, it was <laughs> hey would you also say though that that space in your life made you produce like some or make some good like that record and like put that energy into that record and it's like, you know, I know you said you can't listen to it, but it, it moved you on into your career. You know, you said symptoms was your favorite record after that. Right. So it puts you into that space to move on to bet some of your best music, right? Would you yeah maybe maybe or? you have
2: to bottom out to to move on. Like it's funny, like 99 was the was the lowest it got for me. But then that's that same that same later that same year. Like I met the first girl that I would ever propose to that. I, the first time I really ever like was in love with somebody mm. and like these, a lot of good things started happening because, and, but it was like, not until I had like pulled myself out of the wreckage and, and like re reaffirmed my, my priorities and got my spiritual deal straightened yeah. out and like recommitted to these other things. Then only then was I put in a position for these positive things to happen. So, uh, it was it was you know one, one thing following the other uh, i think that a lot of people yeah. love operation phoenix uh, it is the joke in our band it was because like you said we're we're a fat records band we're a melodic punk band we're from a beach town and like members of our band were heavily influenced by by the mags and killing time and sick of it all mm-hmm. and the bad brains and harder bands like a different a different style of music yeah yeah and and so we, we live, we have one mm-hmm. foot in each world kind of all the time. And, and so on our fans, like you said, um, even though we were a fat records band, which is known as being like a, a happy party, melodic punk kind of thing. In 96, when we toured on our second album and there was enough photos out by then of us, of like my bass player and I wearing like SSD shirts or integrity shirts or like we started having some hardcore kids coming out to our shows who would have never gone to see a fat records band.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And we started having a little bit of crossover crossover there. And so, but it's hard to live in both of those worlds musically. And so I think that operation Phoenix is either if you're depending on your point of view as a fan of our band it's either the album you've been waiting for us to make <laughs> or it's the album that made, you, that made you, or it's the album that made you
1: stop liking good riddance and there's no in between you actually saw the line in the sand like yes yep. <laughs> yes yep. man well i mean it's it's definitely it's definitely a, a turn but i i, th- I like the turn in the direction it went or it still it's is, a, it's is a cool. hard dark angry album for, for sure. sure for sure <laughs> um man i saw yeah i saw you guys in san diego one time on tour with afi and at the drive-in that was in, in san- 98. 98 yeah uh, that was kind of when afi was just changing um you know j- just changing a little bit and but as the first time i sat at the drive and i was like this is like the most insane tour i've ever seen because i think prior to that i saw you at soma with the fat circus and it was like a five dollar ticket all the f- you know all the new fat bands till yourself strung out no use yeah. and, and i think one other and that i was like dude so i i decided i i decided then and there that it was like i like the harder sound of I didn't, it wasn't like the fat record sound necessarily it was like the harder sound of those bands. And then hearing you guys and, and, um, uh, influences, it got me into other stuff, of course. Right. All the stuff that you guys, the, the harder stuff really, because everyone talks about the bigger bands, clash Ramones, stuff like that. But like, I wanted to dig deep, you know, I wanted to get deeper into what does black flag listen to and like all this kind of stuff too. So where does it go from there? Well, you're but, from
2: San Diego. I mean, battalion of saints is one of my yeah. favorite, favorite bands yeah. in the entire world. I have got a, a picture on the wall. I got a picture <laughs> on this wall of Chris Smith playing guitar. I got a, it's a signed Allison Braun print of Chris Smith playing. Damn, rest in rest in peace. Like Seriously. that guy was a shredder. Like that that band, Battalion of Saints, was one of my all time favorites. Like when I think of San Diego, I just think of Battalion of Saints right away.
1: Yes, as do as do many, um, especially when in the hardcore world. Um, but if we could shift a little bit to when did you find your love for caffeine and coffee? Was that at teenage years, like staying up late partying and doing that? Or I don't think I have any kind of,
2: it's funny. I think it's, I'm trying to figure out why that, why I have this rep with the coffee. I'm trying to figure out where that, where that comes from. Like, I don't know that I, I don't know that I am that crazy about much crazier about it than anyone else, but maybe, maybe I am like, Maybe I, you I don't, tweeted don't about know. it at one
1: point. I don't remember, but like I think there was a time when it was like you were like diehard with Starbucks or or it, I mean Aaron even mentioned it to me a couple of times, but um maybe you, Aaron, and, Aaron is one to talk. Like Aaron, like <laughs> if you cut open Aaron, he, like your coffee will come and out and bleed. Him. <laughs> yeah, he's like nonstop. But um no, that's fun. Um, but it's like you particularly like uh your Starbucks, right? Your Starbucks drinks.
2: Yeah, that that's it's. It's tough these days with the with like the union stuff like the, the company's not it's pretty, it's pretty sad right now. Sad state. So, so, on, so what happened with Starbucks is, I mean, I catch a lot of flack for going there and, and people, people's reasoning is is not off. But initially it started in the nineties when I would be on these, we'd be on these long four or five week tours mm-hmm. and, and to, to, we'd we'd go to a venue, we would load in and sound check. And then there'd be some time before between sound check and doors. Right. And to, to avoid being, being a jackass, like sometimes I was, I would just, I would leave just to be by myself to decompress, to not be around everybody. Cause we're, we're, you know, we're touring together. We're like in on, a van, you know? Yeah. So yeah. like, so, and and what I found was that it would be summertime. And so it's hot and we're touring through the Midwest and wherever. And like, I would find a Starbucks and it'd be this like chill music playing. It would be air conditioned.
1: An oasis. <laughs> and, and I knew,
2: I knew there would be soy milk. I knew it. And I knew that if I paid $4 for like a mocha or a, a latte or something like that, that it would be good. Like if I, I used to never go to Starbucks, I would go to like a mom and pop place. And it was so mm-hmm. hit or miss with people who either could give a fuck about what they were making or didn't. A lot of places didn't have soy back then. It's probably not the case now. But I knew that every Starbucks would have soy milk,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and it would be air conditioned, and it would be not a punk rock club, like it would be some place that I could like write and journal yeah, and like some respite it it and I became it became, yeah, like an oasis, and so that was it wasn't like I love the company so much, I can't wait to find a Starbucks. It was more like kind of out of necessity and mm-hmm. having some sort of like sterile uh respite from like the punk rock grind uh that's that's how it started that's how it started for me and so but like nowadays if i go to a city if i've got a friend there that's like we got to go to this coffee shop Then i'm always going to trust somebody who's who knows yeah. a good spot it's like in san diego trevor was like we got to go to this place and you took me to a spot and it was it was kick ass and like we got some good ones yeah for sure any anything anything like that is it's like screw starbucks i'm going to go there Okay. If someone's if someone's got a good place but if i'm in a city and i don't know anybody and i need to go somewhere like i know that place is gonna is gonna have what i need to get uh, yeah from,
1: from seattle to tokyo you should have be able to get the same drink it's there yeah
2: right? yeah it's but the but the whole thing now with like the way that they're treating their employees is mm. like it used to be i don't know if this is true or if it's just one of those urban myths like starbucks treat their employees so well this used to be a thing that i would always hear and And I knew people that worked at Starbucks and I never had anything bad to say about it. Right. But now with what's going on, I just think the company is look, it looks terrible. And so it makes a person pause, just decide if they still want to support something like that or not.
1: Right. So, yeah. So you move into, you move into the Keurig cup territory.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I became a Keurig when I just, I just bought a house this year. It's my first time and congrats. Thanks. And uh, yeah, I got all new stuff. And I had gotten a Keurig because there was something appealing about being able to at like four in the afternoon, just making a cup of coffee, like not, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not smart or clever enough to make, to use a coffee, real rig, coffee rig to make one cup. I don't know how to do that. (laughs) And so this is, but at the same time, I, I knew and I'd heard about the single use plastic and all this stuff. And so my, the bargain I struck with myself was that I would. Throw the foil away that's on top. I would compost mm-hmm. the grounds and I would recycle the cups, which, which, because they are recyclable. Okay. And
1: so, so that's what I do with each one. I really have I you, dump, yeah. Have you, have you found a good, is it a good quality drink that you like? Make out of it.
2: I have no problem with how curry tastes. Okay. How the K cups taste. I, I yeah. go back and forth between Starbucks, French and Verona or Italian and Pete's
1: Major Dickinson's blend, which I really like. The Pete's one is, okay, so you like the the kind of the actual, like the heavy roast flavor. Yeah. Dark. Yeah, yeah, yep. So you, you don't like the donut blend and like, you know, the Mountain Coffee Company and stuff like that, because those are mediums. Those are all mediums. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't think that they look, the
2: packaging didn't attract me, <laughs> but now <laughs> the graphic you, now design that you're saying that they're, yeah, <laughs> I think I just,
1: I think I just chose the right, I chose the right ones. Aha, classic look. Yeah. Cool. Um, And then. I know that you are a Greg Graffin bad religion fan too. You've said you've mentioned a couple of times as far as lyrical inspirations, <laughs> trying to fit as many Greg Graffin style of vocabulary into songs at the at the in the early stages. But then you kind of learned how to like I guess do less do more with less, right? In the in the the vocal the vocabulary and the lyrical stuff is cause like on Forgotten Country is like um Propitious creatures away the most virulent demise, like yeah, stuff like yeah. that. And then now yeah. it's like you get kind of to the point and you're like, um, maybe every once in a while there's some great graphinesque uh, vocabularies in there. But now it's more like it sounds like you're also quoting some philosophy majors and or talking like that and like uh, you know, I don't know, getting into people's brains with without confusion of the lyrics. Does that make sense? Going I from the first I, record, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of times people. Or bands like I think about this with so the, the biggest, the, like the biggest, heaviest, most gnarly band ever from my hometown is a band called Blast. Yeah, Surf and Destroy. And so Blast is like, it's, you know, there's nobody better. But at the same time, if you listen to the Blast's first album, almost every song sounds like Thirsty and Miserable by Black Flag. And if you went and saw Blast Live at that time, and I only know this from Bill because Bill was in Black Flag at that time, and Blast right. was open for them, and he'd be like, "Yeah, this, this band, is, this band is trying to be us from the from the the Armstrong see through guitar to like the way the drum kit was set up to everything, and their 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 motions on stage and Blast things like Flag. that." And so, but so like, I still love every Blast album, but as each album went from the like, especially the second one, it's in my blood. Mm-hmm. They began to get their own thing like they didn't mm-hmm. sound like black flag that much anymore they sounded something something else and it was heavy and it was heavy and ominous and like destru- destruction like black flag was but it was not as derivative and each album was more so that way and so i think that that's what happens to a lot of bands like i'm so i'm right up against my influences because I, there hasn't been as much time passed since i first heard it and then oh you're going to give me a microphone Well, this is what i know and then as time passes uh, and as as a band coalesces and has more time together it can't i think a band can't help but start to develop its own sound even if it is still Mm -hmm. sort of reminiscent of something it's Mm -hmm. not going to be as immediately derivative as the first couple outings and that was that was the case for blast even though i love everything they've done but like if you listen to take the manic ride which is the last album blast put out it doesn't sound like black flag really. It doesn't sound like anybody. It just sounds like blast blast, and so that's that's kind of how it's supposed to go, I think,
1: yeah, the maturation process of the journey, right like because <laughs> obviously you obviously your 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 albums and songs have changed all the way to even now with your new solo records, like you sing, of course, we accredited this to the bill and the production team, but you sing when you're doing your solo albums definitely a lot with a lot more clarity. Um, in your in your vocal cords, um, like your your what your more of your head and chest voice, if you will, um, I think because it's I can it just sounds it just sounds clean and I could picture you singing that playing it. So like I caught you one time at the Parkside in San Francisco. I think you're you're playing with Joey Cape. Um, I just happened to be um, living there at the time, but um, I think it was your very first outing as a solo artist. I think when well, on that tour if I'm not mistaken. Or at least, at least no, that's for my side. But but it was but it was still pretty new, yeah. Pretty new, yeah. yeah. Um, and I was like, and I actually didn't know that you were going doing that tour because somebody invited me to go because um, he was doing like press for Joey or something like that. But anyways, I was like, oh what? And it wasn't. And I think Kevin Seconds was playing too. Does that sound correct? Honestly, I'm not sorry.
2: sure. I I know I know the show you're talking about. It wasn't a tour. It was like a one off for me.
1: Like I was you came
2: up from they they asked me up to come up and
1: play yeah 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 so um i was like oh this is really cool because i had you know just seen you not too long ago with the full band going off and then you're playing here it's like it's just it's just such a like nice it wasn't so much of a dichotomy but it was like definitely a different singing style you know but um i don't know i feel like you have fun you have fun when you're doing the solo stuff, right? And you're doing, you know, you're, you're yeah. On it's your, a work
2: in progress. Like what yeah. I was, this last tour I just did was was cool because the the shows were so small. Uh, mm-hmm. I was in Europe before. I was in Europe in March, first time headlining solo there. Nice. But this this tour, like in New Haven, Connecticut, I played, and I'm not kidding. The only people in the club besides the person I was on tour with were the was the sound person and the bartender. And then a, a older an older couple who just happened to go out to that club on that night. They were not there. They were not there to see me. And and they were sitting at the bar and there's like all this space. And then there's the stage. And I'd done a sound check and everything. But I was like, I was like, this is gonna be silly to be way over here up on this stage mm-hmm. playing to nobody. Like, so I just grabbed my guitar and I just basically walked over to where this old couple was and like there you go. campfired and like had it had a you know joke with them and talked to them and asked them about nice. themselves and and i think they had a you know and i gave them a couple shirts at the end of the night and heck yeah so, so not a single person paid to come see me play in new haven connecticut but it worked it helped me to be able to go well fuck it like i still got to play a show and like how can i make it so these people at least have a good time yeah get get better with like the the repartee and like the joking around and stuff because i have a I have a reputation as as aloof and stoic and serious and all this stuff and so like and i don't like that about myself and i'm not sure why why that's happened and so it gives me an opportunity to be able to practice being a little more outgoing and loose and gregarious and and just just to have fun and to not worry about it
1: like 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 dude nobody came to see you play get over it like just have a fun time i love that and So tell me, tell me, was it one of your funnest and best shows ever? (laughs) Just in that aspect of it? No, but it it was like, but it wasn't. Not crowd wise. But Like if
2: if you, if when you leave the club, you could be like, fuck, like nobody came to see me play hot, you know, like great time to go see if they need help with Taco Bell or. (laughs) There you go with Taco Bell. You can say like, (laughs) you can say like, that's a bill. That's a bill thing. I stole that from him. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So, or, or you could say like, that was cool because those two people i mean they're they're like not in my target audience for sure Mm -hmm. but they'll probably remember
1: that night totally and now there's gonna be two people at new haven connecticut wearing your shirts and people are gonna be like hey he just played here no did he yeah we were the only ones there (laughs) and they have fans two new rad fans
2: yeah no in, in uh in europe so in Europe, I went and like most of the shows were between 30 and 50 people, which is great. Mm-hmm. And, but one show in Cologne, there was only 10 people and it was at the same room that good riddance would play in Cologne, like a mm-hmm. stage and all this stuff. And, and there was a lounge to the side, like a different room where, where bands usually sold merch at where there's a lot of couches. And then when the promoter told me how many pre-sale there were, I was like, dude, I don't want to get on that stage this is going to be silly like let's move these couches in here yeah so we moved all the couches in and the people at the 10 people that came sat wherever they wanted on these couches nice. and again i just got off the stage and i went up in front of them and like campfire like living room style yeah and they were talking to me between songs asking me questions we were joking around like and after the show they they some of those people said it was like the best show they'd ever been to or like the most fun nice. they ever had and night yeah so like, it, even though it wasn't great numbers wise, and if, if, and if it goes on like that, then, then maybe it's not for me, but the fact that like, instead of like just being pissy and being up on stage, like going through the motions, like this show sucks, like being able to give people a, a night that was memorable and that was maybe a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it helped me to be, to be malleable and to be able to adjust to the situation and like, no, actually, I think the right call would be to not be on stage, screw the PA. We're going to campfire and we're going to have like a, a living room chat, you know, we're yeah. going to be like, and it was really, really cool because uh, a lot of those people had followed my band for years right? and had never had a chance to ask these questions or to be that close or to, I don't know, like it, it, it ended up being a really cool night.
1: I love a good living room show, you know, like I I love, I love going to those. So maybe we can, we'll set one up one day when you, if you need something in San Diego, but um, I know, I don't want to punish you for too long, but we don't, we should talk about a little bit about hockey and we should talk a little bit about your actual like writing. That's non-musical writing. um, If you're still doing stuff, because I I know that you were (laughs) right on. Um, So scouting for the devils, right? Not scouting for the devils. I wish not scouting for the devils. (laughs) Well, I mean, Russ Rankin, NJD, is that, that's the new, they're GD my favorite team. team. Oh, my okay. favorite hockey team, team. team-wise, I got it. So, so I
2: scout, I scout for a junior, a major junior team. So oh, that's there's, right, that's right, sorry. There's a, a major junior is a the Canadian Hockey League. It's, it's a North American League made up of three sub-leagues.
1: Okay.
2: There's the, there's the Quebec League, the Ontario League, and the Western Hockey League. The Western Hockey League has teams, 22 teams throughout Western Canada, so from Manitoba to BC. Mm-hmm. And there's also five teams in the North Pacific Northwest. So, Portland, Everett, Seattle, Tri City, and Spokane. And I work for the Tri state Americans. And so, the junior, major junior is where, where players that are about 17 to 19 years old play, mm-hmm. the best of the best. And for in our league, you've got to be from Western Canada or the Western United States. So, basically, Minnesota, Texas, West. And if you're okay. from any of those places, you're eligible to play in that league. And you can play as early as 16 if you're really good. And you, you can play up until you're 20. And the NHL drafts people when they're 18. So there's a, a lot of draft-eligible players in our league. And we draft players when they're Bantam, which is 14 turning 15. And so my, gotcha. my responsibility, we have scouts on my team all the way through Western Canada.
3: Okay.
2: My responsibility is California. So I watch Bantam-aged players throughout California. That's my job and i
3: and what identify, are you looking for
2: i am identifying players that i think project to be western hockey league players i mean it's still it's hard cuz i'm watching them when they're 14 yeah. and i got to think about what kind of player they're going to be when they're 17 18 okay and then i have to do reports on them and then i have to my job is a little bit different than our other scouting staff in, in western canada because down here most people don't know about the western hockey league most parents most hockey parents in California, they, they are just, they're positive. Their kid's going to get a D one college scholarship. Yeah, And for a lot of, some of them they do, but not, but for a lot of them, they won't and, and they don't know about the Western hockey league. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of politics behind it that, that to the minutia that you, it would probably be boring for anyone listening to this, but, <laughs> but ultimately my job, my job is to debunk what parents may have heard about the Western hockey league and to educate them on the league and why it's a good opportunity. If they if their kid wants to be a pro hockey player. Mm. And then if I th- because, and also I have to kind of get some kind of commitment out of them, verbal, like some, some interest or else we're not going to waste a draft pick on somebody. That's not going to come. So yeah. there has to be some interest. There has to be some legitimate, like, uh, yeah. Interest from a family and from a player to for for our league and our organization and then and then that that like the our bantam draft is every may uh all the teams pick and yeah we just go from there and then the next so you, year it's
1: you, this, you you travel around a lot like to uh, different hockey like areas like Yeah that? So, so I'm
2: I'm in I go there's tournaments there's there's a Pacific Districts tournament every year which I'll go to if it's in California and there's the state championships that I go to every year and then I usually Cause there's a, there's usually four or five, four triple a Bantam teams. So junior sharks, junior Kings, junior ducks. And then every once in a while, there's another one thrown in. Like this year there was the, what were they called? Goals. <laughs> goals are goals are double a. Yeah. We got goals. No, the goals are double a, but one, I remember one year, the 95 birth year, which is a really, really strong year. Uh, the, the, the goal, the junior goals had where they were a double a team, but they were basically a triple a team and they had, uh, there's a guy that played on that team that plays in the NHL right now, Thatcher Demko, the goalie, I watched him play. And then there's a kid named Tyler Moy that played on that team. Who's playing in hmm. Europe in the Swiss league. Yeah. Thatcher Demko was a great goalie, but he, he went, he got a, he got a scholarship, went to Boston college. Nice. Uh, so, cause when players play in our league. The thing is like if i if a kid comes to our league from california let's say he's got to sign a contract to play for us once he signs that contract he's burned to play to play hockey at nca ncaa college so he can still go to college when he's done he can go to an ncaa d1 school he just can't play hockey uh because we give we give our players a per diem and so the ncaa thinks they're professional so it's, it's a big decision in that respect so if a player is yeah. going to come to our thing they're, they know that they're, they're giving up the opportunity to play D1 hockey. That being said, our, our league gets them in front of NHL scouts sooner. Our league is a longer schedule. It's more, it's more like a pro schedule. It gets them ready for the grind. Hmm. It gets, it's, uh, I, th- I just think it's a better path to be a pro hockey player. And the cool thing is, if you play in our league, let's say a player plays four years in the Western Hockey League. When they're done... They have 18 months to cash in on their scholarship money, which we which we save for them. And so, if they if they don't sign in the NHL, they get a year of books and tuition paid for for each year they played in our league. Oh wow! So if a player let's say a players draft eight, draft year is 18 in the NHL, so let's say a player's 19 years old, they're done playing in the Western Hockey League, and so they the time the time they're done, they have 18 months to cash in on that scholarship money. Okay. So their agent could be like, "Well, you didn't get drafted, but I got you a tryout in Germany. I got you a tryout in the in the East Coast League." So that player can go try pro hockey for a year or even a year and a half. And if they don't like it or decide it's not for them, they can take that scholarship money and go go to go to school. They could go anywhere they want.
3: Nice.
2: And the and the Western Hockey League pays for it. So it's a good fallback. Uh, most of our players in our league end up playing pro somewhere. Oh, cool. But if you don't, here's, here's money to go get your degree, to go to law school, to go to medical school, to right. do whatever. Yeah. And the cool thing for California kids is the money that you get is equal to what it costs at UCLA for books and tuition.
1: Dang. So Sounds you get quite a check a, bit. That's of quite a bit. Of cash, yeah. you
2: take that money and you can go to any school you want anywhere.
1: What, how is the Western Hockey League funded?
2: Through the like gift to- the... Through the gates, yeah, it's it's popular. Okay. Like it's it's five, you know, five six thousand people a night.
1: Nice, nice. Okay. Yeah. So, how did you get involved with hockey? Like punk, going from punk rock and veganism and sobriety to like being a hockey. I was into lover. hockey
2: before I was into punk. I think I I, I watched the nineteen eighty Miracle on Ice Winter Olympics. Yeah. When I was really really young, and that's what that's what got me into hockey. That's when I fell in love with hockey. And then just trying to be in being in kind of a hockey desert up here. I just tried to watch it whenever I could on TV and, and just, mm-hmm. just fell in love with it and wanted to know everything about it and became like that guy that wouldn't shut up about it. And was a total nerd. And <laughs> oh, great. My, this, my friends were it. like, yeah, my friends were like, Oh my God, dude, like you gotta, <laughs> you gotta get it, get over it. And, but I just kept, I kept on with it and loved it. And, and getting a chance to work in hockey was just fortuitous. Like the, I had a, I had a friend who a guy, I met a guy that played in the NHL, who was a good fan and that guy ended up being part owner of a, of a western hockey league team oh i see at that time at that time which called, was called the kootenai ice in, in southeastern bc and in the mid 2000s was when california players the level of coaching and the level of talent in california hockey amateur hockey was getting to a point where po- california born players were starting to like. Find their way up to the Western Hockey League. Like suddenly, there's these California guys popping up, dominate, yeah, and and playing and doing well. Like everybody's like, whoa, there's there's players down there like there never was before. And so, this guy that I knew was like told his GM, "Hey, I got a buddy lives in California. I I think he knows what he's talking about. I can vouch for him. And would it be worth it, you guys, to have a set of eyes down there?" And the guy was like, "Sure." And so that was my my in. I worked for five years for the Kootenay Ice. And we won the Western Hockey League championship in 2011. Nice, and, nice. Uh, yeah, it was, and so I learned a lot. Uh, we never drafted any of the players that I liked. Uh, our our team at that point in Kootenay was very Canada Canada centric, and it was uh-huh. very like Saskatchewan and Alberta centric. So there wasn't a whole lot of hope for for the players I was looking at. So a lot, for a lot of times, hmm. I felt like I was spinning my wheels. Yeah, but they gave me my shot. And I learned a lot, especially from the from the general manager of that team. And then I switched to the Tri City Americans. I would see the Tri City Americans GM at all in California all the time, and I knew that he was drafting and was giving was interested in California born players. So he and I sort of um, had that had that in common, and
1: I've been with Tri City ever since. Cool. I mean, it's I guess if people know you from like singing good riddance or if you tell them and then you're also a solo artist that has a record out in europe and touring you just toured cologne but they would be like oh wait what hockey what like i mean it's pretty unique you, yeah you it's kind of be... like
2: worlds collide I, I i was at a i was at a tournament and like one of a good riddance song came on you know between the whistles and
1: ha! nice which one i
2: uh darkest days uh-huh and nice. i was also one time i was down at a this has happened a few times and I go to, I go a lot to a rink in El Segundo, the Toyota center for the King's mm-hmm. practice. Yeah. And there's a lot of hot, I go to, I go down there a lot and uh, I was, I was watching a game and there was public skating on another rink there. And this, this dad with his kids came over and was like, he's like, aren't you in good riddance? You know, and when I scout, I'm wearing like, like business casual, like slacks and dress shoes. And the oh, like really? a team, a team track jacket on. <laughs> Yeah. Like I don't look the way I look normally and you and look like I, Ted Lasso. <laughs> well, like it's important to represent the organization sure. and yeah. look a certain way. And and I respect that. And so so I I don't I don't look the way I normally look. And I wear like a golf shirt and stuff. And uh and I saw, <laughs> I was like, yeah. And he's like, so you wanted to take pictures with me. And that's happened, that's happened a few times. Nice. I've been at a rink to scout and there's been public skating and somebody's been we call it getting recognized, like someone's like
1: recognized yeah yeah someone
2: recognizes <laughs> me from that so i'm like i'm there doing
1: something that has nothing to do with music and yet right. this thing pops up uh it's just sort of funny or your song comes on you kind of automatically start mouthing the words they're like he knows all the words <laughs> no
2: no i just i just sort of look around and it's like strange
1: yeah well you know i mean some some of the music fits
2: because i mean it happened in my men's league game a few weeks ago too that was really funny oh I was you're playing on the bench. yeah i play i play in an over 35 league tuesday nights and How's that funny. feel
1: on the, on the joints, on the it's okay. ankles and the,
2: yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm old, but I'm in surprisingly good condition for being as old as I
1: am. Well, yeah. I still rocking and rolling, rock yeah. yeah. Um <laughs> So what's the future hold for like your actual, like non-musical writings? Like, cause, cause you've been, you were, you were doing that quite a bit a while ago, right? Like uh, I was lucky. I was, I was really lucky to be
2: asked to be a columnist for this magazine called AMP through, yeah. through a big chunk of the early two thousands. Mm-hmm and I really loved doing that and I got really good feedback from it yep and then amp went under I did a couple things for new noise I did a few like op-eds like Vanessa from fat who does our press would would hit me up and say like hey do you want to write an op-ed for alternative press or Razorcake or or of these other publications and I would always be like I would always say yes and like do whatever I could do and and then a guy that was a fan of the band who was writing a baseball column for the Washington times, uh, asked me if I would be interested in doing a column, two columns for them, which one would, could be anything I wanted music, politics, whatever. And then one would be specifically hockey. And that was, that was maybe like eight or t- eight or nine years ago, eight years ago. And that's cool. It was, it was big for me and that it was the biggest thing I'd ever written for. And it was also very, uh, like everything I did had to be submitted, and it was critiqued, and it was edited, mm-hmm. and I got like really direct feedback about it. Like it made me a better writer.
1: Okay, it made me a, made me
2: a much better yeah. writer. It 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 was like a big slap in the face, in in a good way. Like like now I write much differently because of this experience. Uh, but then the the public that publication. I began to notice like just sort of where it was how it was shifting and and where it's where it's kind of true north lie and it was nowhere near where mine la- laid and so the washington I, post no washington times
1: oh washington times different yeah yeah still <laughs> yeah, still bigger
2: bit. than anything i'd done before but not what let's get on the resume post. yeah uh washington times and so i there's I, still
1: time rest there's still so time
2: I, so i stopped. And ever since then, I've been, I've been waiting for a gig and I haven't got one. Uh, So uh, I've been, since I retired from my day job and I have a house And this, where I'm in right now is my office. I've never had an office before. I have an office and I'm, I've been like dusting off these memoirs that I've been working on of my time in good riddance.
1: And that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. I was going to ask you if you were going to like get to like something like a memoir or like what I've Well, I, I
2: started, I started writing this thing years ago about the first, our first three albums, what it was like, my experience recording and touring on those albums. Mm-hmm. And then, cause 97 was our third album and 98, I began yeah. keeping a tour journal. I began keeping a tour journal from 98 through like 2004 or five, which would be, a, could be it would be a separate separate thing so i've been writing this i've been like dusting off this thing Mm -hmm. polishing it up adding to it editing it about the first three albums but i don't
1: what's an example of what you'd write about in the first three albums? like today was this day or like no that's more like a my journal would be like that Mm -hmm. Uh, this is more like going through
2: uh recording our first album what that experience was like for me Mm -hmm. and then right and then uh Touring our first time touring the US was ninety-five, like the Fat Records tour that you mentioned that played mm-hmm. at, that played at Soma. Just just my experience, like first time out doing this, this, and this. Oh, that know. was your
1: first tour? Dang.
2: No, that wasn't our first tour, but as our first uh that year was the first time we really, we really got out and played a lot. We'd never toured oh, okay. that much before. Yeah. And so so it's basically my my experience, uh like recording and touring and, and like through my eyes. And how did, how did it affect me? Like the psychosis, like mm-hmm. how I started to slip into this like persona that I'm not stoked about if I when I remember it and how I wish there was things that, that we would have known. Like when you're, when you're a band that's from like a small beach town and you play once in a while and like suddenly you're an international band that's on this exhausting treadmill of like writing and touring and recording and like, and like nobody, there's things that I wish people would have told us, like here, you can expect this and this, and this to happen. And you'll have to know how to deal with this. And we didn't know anything. Like we just, we found everything out the hard way and, mm. and maybe it's something that like other people could read and, and would help other bands or help other people who were thinking about doing that. Um, but mostly it's just a, a memoir of like what it was like for me to record these albums, to write the music and to go on tour and uh some of some funny, some funny stories well I'm, i mean it's the thing is it's it's not so much the writing that's hard it's like what do i do with it once it's done so i was asking on facebook if anybody knew any literary agents because i would i would pay somebody to shop it or find a home for it uh, but i have also through the years of tour i would write poetry or like my nice. stab my stab at poetry was probably pretty pretty crude but like i had a, i have a ton of it and i a friend of mine, who's from here from Santa Cruz, who's a an English teacher, an amazing writer. Uh, he he wrote a memoir, and his and his publishing house put it out, uh, kind of a smaller publishing house. And we were talking about my poems, and he showed them to the the main person at this publishing publishing house. So I'm gonna have a book of poetry come out in the fall. Oh hell yeah! Which is which is pretty cool. I've never gonna I've never had that before. It's um, so a good maybe, start. Yeah, so we'll see. So I'm going to write this, I'm going to keep working on this first three albums thing. And then, and then I've got this stack of tour journals that I'm going to like painstakingly digitize Nice onto a document that could serve, like if there was interest it, that would be, it like, could be another, so it be the first three albums recording and touring. And then actual tour journals
1: verbatim from like 98 through like 2005. Bing. I, I bet I, I could say that I think I think your fan base, yours and, the, and Good Rinse, and even through Fat, maybe or whatever, it's a big enough fan base that that to support something like that. Like, you know, maybe it's not the entire discography memoir of everything, but like at least the first three record one, that's a really good, awesome idea. Poetry thing is rad. I mean, it <laughs> sounds amazing to me. I mean, Trevor, Trevor put out a book of just his lyrics and people like that, you know, like it's it seems like. A no-brainer because you're already a good writer, and then you <laughs> have all these songs mm-hmm. under your belt. Like I say, do it. Start today. You know.
2: Well, I'm going to keep writing these, but then what becomes of them is not is I, I don't know what
1: to do with that. Like nobody's beating down my door just yet. Well, yeah, I mean, just because you said you were looking, you're waiting for the next gig, but you have all this stuff you're sitting on too. This gold that you're yeah, sitting like on. this is
2: going to keep this is going to keep me busy. But I I loved I loved having a weekly column or monthly yeah. column like. It was when, good when I was with AMP. Like I was, I was so happy. It was so cool to have that forum and that outlet. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then with the Washington Times thing, like it tightened up my writing big time. And I felt like I was in a really good, really good spot. And then that just, I had to, I had to get out of there. Yeah. So, and I don't, and like the whole way that that whole that whole format uh, that media has changed. Uh, I don't know there's, there's like a million good writers and like 10 places for them to put their stuff. So sure. It's hard. Uh, but I, I would love to have another steady gig like that, like writing, writing for a publication that I, that I supported and I believed in, uh, that that gave, that gave me kind of that, that much free reign. I see your kitty cat. (laughs) You got,
1: you have you got some pets, huh? I got two cats. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is a silly question, but do you, would uh, would you be able to ask something like that about to Fat Mike? Who they just did a book and like you know how however they did it and put it out, like anything like that? Or I
2: could. I, I would rather just not bother
1: him about it. I'd rather not. Yeah, I would rather not bug him about it.
2: I'd rather uh, well, well, kind of find
1: my own way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. That's um, that's the DIY ethos you have. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I think. I personally, you have you got one, one sale here. You got one encouragement here. So awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I know a few others who would agree. Um, but yeah, if we, you know, to kind of, to kind of wrap, to kind of like land the plane, if you will, like, I, I do want to hear some more, like maybe a solid a nugget of wisdom that you have learned through all this, like the ups and downs of your life or just something from your family or touring life or whatever, or and then also, we got to do—we have to do at least one food or beverage pairing with your your music, or so, or even like a bad religion album or something. We got to put your mind to the test here. You said you weren't that chefy, but I just know you have it in you. So, what, have, so you the, learned? what learned, have you learned? What have I learned? Or, or what's something that you could teach uh, people? I don't know. This too, this too
2: this shall pass.
1: Yeah, I have heard that before. I'm, I'm waiting for it to pass Russ. (laughs) It's, it's really, uh,
2: how did we get here? I've gone through, I've gone through like, yeah, I think that I've, I've, it's been interesting writing this, writing this thing about the first three albums and like Mm -hmm. chronicling my like slow retreat into becoming this, this person who was just full of self-loathing and, Mm. and judgment and, was so withdrawn and, and not able to enjoy this like awesome thing we got to do and
3: mm-hmm.
2: i really i have regrets about it uh and so for me and and, it's, and i'm a special i mean not everybody like i'm I'm, an, I'm in recovery like i'm not a normal person like i'm a person that i'm a person that is recovering from a from drinking too much and so for normal people maybe that maybe this stuff doesn't happen to them But for me, like I have to keep spiritually fit or us, it go, it goes off the rails really quickly. Yeah, yeah. And and for me, what happened with the band specifically because it was, I let it, I allowed it to consume me. And I became just obsessed with competition and Mm -hmm. what what's what other bands who we would consider our peers and friends, even like I didn't trust them. And like what, what if, what are they doing? And we have to there has to be more people at our show than their show, like just ridiculous. Ridiculous metrics by which to like navigate someone's life, and then, and also having my own self worth completely wrapped up in my perception of our band's successes and failures, hmm. and how dangerous that is because it's something that I have no control over. So yeah. if I'm if I'm attaching my self worth to this this entity that I have no control over, uh, it's really dangerous. And so it, what ends up what happening for me is on top of the world one day. I want to off myself the next. On top of the world the next day. I want to off myself the next, and it's all dependent on these outside. These outside indicators, and so being able to be, like going and playing to this old couple in New Haven and not having it really wreck me. Like I'm, I'm still the same person. Like that night didn't define anything for me. Like that's progress. Like that's, and that's that just comes from being spiritually fit and being centered and being being uh having the wherewithal to, to realize that like like dude you're not that important like nobody cares it's okay and uh i think that that's that's what i've learned is just is to stay spiritually fit to not not get too far away from the campfire <laughs> to, huge like, yeah yeah and that and so and what's, what's cool for us too is also our band, Good Riddance. We took five years where we didn't play at all. We weren't we weren't a band, yeah. basically. And those that, are sad years. So sad years. Help, so helpful for me though, because it allowed the band to become like like right sized. Like mm-hmm. it was it wasn't right sized before for me. Mm-hmm. And through those years, it, it in the perspective that you get from that, the band became right sized. So it's like, hey, we're not the biggest band in the world. We're not the smallest band in the world. We're some we're some lucky motherfuckers from Santa Cruz that got to go to like all these rad places and yeah. and it's so funny because now when we are my band we're just we look at each other and we're like I can't believe we get to do this like we're so ha- we're happy we're happy like old dudes mm-hmm. that get to rock out together and and we're so grateful and yeah I, that that whole mindset was foreign to me for so long when we were mm-hmm. grinding when we were grinding I was so caught up in it and and so I've learned to like
1: yeah this too shall pass you remember the moment that your your eyes got open to that that you were feeling like that like what am i doing or like you know like moving forward do you remember that like kind of breakthrough well,
2: i i remember when when the operation phoenix that whole year i was miserable and uh and then we went to europe with idiot fingers louis and every day i was i was miserable and i just wanted to off myself and mm. And I didn't see any way out of it. And I, and I got back home and, and I I called up, I called up my, my primary, uh, spiritual advisor, I guess you'd say, and Mm -hmm. who I hadn't spoken to in a while, obviously. And I said, I'm in a lot of pain. And he said, I bet you are. Mm. And I said, I want to get, I want to get back to work. And he's like, let's go. Let's go. and And ever, and ever since then, I have not strayed from the campfire let's go like I've yeah. done the things I've done the things that he suggested, and i've and consequently, like I haven't had that kind of mental state and since and since then, I've gone through like really bad breakups, like really bad breakups like that's been the biggest thing, and then like the death of my parents and hmm. yeah. and like and also just what we all went through the last couple of years, like i had you know a lot of us had extra sprinkles on top, I had extra sprinkles on top like. There was like COVID and the George and the George Floyd thing and mm-hmm. the electoral yeah. college awarding the presidency to somebody who lost the election and all of that stuff
3: mm-hmm.
2: sucked for all of us. And then some of us had extra sprinkles on top. Like, oh, you're you're already bummed about this, this, and this. Check this out. Here's this and here's this too.
3: Right.
2: And so like being able to get through all of that without becoming suicidally depressed, without hurting myself, without picking up anything like, uh, yeah, this too shall pass. And like what what can you learn? And how can you be of service to somebody else? How can how can how can you be of service to somebody else in this moment so you're not thinking about, so I'm not thinking about myself and how bad I've got it? Because mm-hmm. there's always going to be someone that's got it worse for me. If if I'm only thinking about myself, I can't imagine anybody else in the world has it worse than me. And that's such a selfish, a selfish place to be. Mm-hmm. And so being able to like Think well, yeah, I'm going through this and this, but like, surely, surely somebody else could use some help right now,
1: and then finding that person,
2: man, and just, just yeah. finding ways to be other centered.
1: That's that's that's, uh, that's deep and heavy, actually. But I can relate in some ways. But I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you didn't do any of that stuff that you were thinking about doing, because um, you you know, you you've put out some good music since then. But I would I would really love to hear read. Or hear stuff that you write about that particular instance or time you know at least from maybe from a third person perspective i don't know maybe maybe it's something that'll be unofficially released or something but like that's that's so huge maybe it's someday that'll like pour out of you you know in some way um yeah sounds like you've actually learned a lot from that so props to you for that you know but was it wasn't me well, okay. Yeah. Okay. It was the help that you received and, and were willing to receive the help too. Some people aren't even willing to receive the help, you know? So you took, you definitely took that step of calling that, calling that mentor and yeah. everything. So props for that. So take some credit for that. Cause you're here. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, now let us, let us do, let's figure out some kind of pairing that you can do with like your favorite BR album or song um if you have one if you can think one off the top of your head off the top of my head i, I might say skyscraper or generator you know um and i it, it comes a little more naturally to me because i've done it a bunch of times but like how a song makes you feel how a food makes you feel or a drink or your favorite drink at starbucks you know or a blast song i one of my um previous guests uh spencer used to book shake cafe down here he showed he showed me his blast record and he paired it with Tacos on the beach with Surf and Destroy. Um (laughs) stuff like that. So that's kind of how it goes with that. Or uh he did like a uh I did a cold brew coffee drink for his his his, one of his band records. So it's just kind of like how how the emotions tie together. Hmm. I got nothing. I can't, I can't (laughs) even that seems like two separate universes to me. Like I don't They are, they are. That's kind of how how fun we have it. Like so. Like if you're on tour in, in Germany and they're feeding you the worst, your worst meal that you've had there or whatever, like you don't want to remember that, but we, I just don't really to...
2: eat. I just don't really eat on tour. Like I'm so just coffee. I'm so self-conscious and I don't, if I'm up on stage and a lot of people are looking at me, I don't want to be like, this just fat piece of garbage flapping <laughs> around up there. So I'm like super, I just like when I do on tour, I don't really eat. I just keep things light and lean and, and there you go. And uh, yeah, it's just coffee and water and that's about
1: it. Like coffee and water. That sounds like an Otis Redding song. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, are you listening to I'm anything a, new and hardcore these days, or are you going back to the roots? What's going on?
2: No, I'm I, I'm getting an, into this band from Pennsylvania called Restorations a lot. Okay. And I'm kind of late to the party with them. Why? But I just because they've been around. They've been around. Oh, okay. I feel like there's this like there's bands that are like I, I call it grown up punk like when you're in your like ba- a band like the menzingers who i fucking love like mm-hmm. a band like that probably wouldn't have appealed to me when i was 20 something
1: 100 but now I when could, i listen yeah. to the
2: menzingers i'm like yep yep absolutely i get it and, i get and, what you're
1: doing yeah i yeah, could not and, stop listening to america you're freaking me out during the pen during the pandemic yeah. yeah
2: and so the restorations is kind of that way it's grown up it's grown up punk rock okay. like it's dude it's dudes that have probably cut their teeth in other bands And and they've like kind of the combined wisdom and and uh you know battle scars. And I I just I love what they have going on. It's a really tense, uh, tense sounding yeah, restorations. Okay. And so I've been listening to them a lot. And I've been listening to a band from Catalonia called Every Night, E B R I, and then Night with a K. And they basically sound to me like the Pogues. If the Pogues were what? (laughs) (laughs) Catalonia, <laughs> Catalonian. So they sing in Spanish? Uh, they sing some in Spanish and some in Catalan.
3: Nice. And I think I okay.
2: even have some songs in Basque. Like there's, wow. three, there's three languages in Spain, you know? Yeah, so that, yeah. And so they're from Catalonia. So a lot of their, I think a lot of their songs okay. are in Catalan. Nice. And the funny thing is I got into them and they, they're, they're a folk band. But they have punk sound. They have you know electric guitar, like of guitar, mm-hmm. guitar, punk. They're obviously from the punk world, and their songs are super political. Like I fucking love them, and or what I can make out from the Interesting. lyrics. Interesting. Yeah, like, I can speak Spanish, but I, I can't speak Catalan. And uh, and then I, when I played in outside Barcelona in Europe uh, in March, two of the guys came to the show, and it turns out they're big fans. Nice. And their guitar player used to be in a Good Riddance tribute band. Oh. What's that band? So it's so funny. I think they might even been called Operation Phoenix or something like that. I don't know. But. <laughs> nice. Okay. But the funny thing Doing is, that. like, I, I hear, I hear, I'm getting into this band, and it turns out that like two guys from the band like know my band. Yeah. Okay. So it's it was so weird how that happened. So I've been listening to them a lot as well. I'm telling you, your reach and, uh, is far, Russ. You you got you're all over the place. You know,
1: with the the fans.
2: Yeah, I've been listening to them, and then. And then I've been listening to, I've been doing a lot of this at my house. I have, I, I just nerded out and made a smart house like big time. So I have HomePod minis in almost every room. And there's the, <laughs> on Apple Music, on Apple Music, there's this whole section of under browse called Just Ask Siri. Mm-hmm. And it's these pre-made playlists. So like morning coffee, yeah, studying, yeah, yeah. studying, driving to work. Like there's all these playlists with activities. And so I'll just tell, I'll just like, throw one up like hey siri play whatever and uh and then it'll be playing in like the kitchen yeah she thinks she thinks i'm playing hey siri stop the music (laughs) so she'll she'll play something in the kitchen and then if i'm going upstairs i could say i could tell siri like move the music to the bedroom oh yeah yeah follows you around yeah so it's so cool but i've just been throwing those playlists on as just kind of background music for my day and i find that I'm. Some of the stuff i listen to i'm like i would It's music i would have never heard i'm like that's kind of a cool song Mm -hmm. and it makes me watch less tv which is always a bonus um yeah as far as like as far as like kind of our our genre that we're in like restorations i love and and i'll check them out every night i've been listening to a lot as well
1: i'll check those out for sure um yeah well, do you collect vinyl records at all? That's the last question. Do you collect vinyl records? Nothing? I have a Cassette.
2: bunch up on a, a my mom's house. I have crates of, the, of my records from when I was a kid. And there's probably, oh, some, there's probably some pretty valuable stuff there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, I was buying punk records from 1983 on. So I have like three or four crates of vinyl, but I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I don't play or listen to vinyl now. Everything's digital. I've, I'm, I'm, I'm like of the Spartan, clean, uncluttered, living yeah? space. There, kind of thing. Plus, you have a so smart house. <laughs> you have a yeah, smart I, house I just so. don't have. I don't do. I don't do records, but I know a lot of people do. Like, I sell a lot of vinyl when I tour now, and uh, so does Good Riddance. And yeah, so does, I collect. So so a lot of bands. Yeah, so like, a lot of bands, and so I think that's awesome. But I just don't. I don't. I have the records that I bought from 1983 until probably I stopped in around 90, 91, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh So I have. If I actually went through, it's a long like, time. There's probably some cool stuff. Probably none of it's in like mint condition. Um, and I don't. I'm not willing right now to spend the time nah, to go through it weird. all. You know what's in there? I, I kind of do, and I kind
1: of, I kind of don't. Like I'm, I'm sure going to be surprised to be like, no way! I,
2: I can't oh yeah. This. yeah, yeah,
1: totally. I love that. I, I mean, I have every good Renance on vinyl except for uh, My Republic. So still in ISO, you know, in search of so. Anyways, Mr. Russ Rankin, I'm sorry I didn't get a pairing for you. No, no, that's okay. I I always ask. The concept
2: for me, but it is. I think I'm probably the the outlier. Like most people, like to eat food.
1: So, Um, (laughs) I mean, I mean, I know there's stuff you like to eat, probably, but maybe you'll think of it offline. Whatever. It's that's okay though. It's it's hard to think of it sometimes. If I could, if I could not eat and still survive, I'd be so happy. Not even like you could survive on just like avocados or something, or (laughs) yeah, it's. Yeah, there's, there's. I've gone days where I've just had liquid, like water and coffee. But whatever, it's all good for me. Um, yeah. Thanks for all your wisdom and actually, to be honest, the the bravery of of uh, trying the pairing and stuff like that, and just knowing yourself, you know, saying this too shall pass and stuff like that. That's that's actually really huge. So you got to give yourself a little bit of credit, even though you don't want to. I'm saying you should. Um, but I appreciate your time so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, any any plans for San Diego for either Goodreads or yourself?
2: Nothing right now. I, okay. I would I would love to play San Diego. Uh, I had probably my best ever solo show in the United States was years ago. Man, maybe like it was a long time ago. I played I played a place that was kind of outside of the main city. Uh, oh fuck, what was it called? It was a club. I was doing these solo shows and none of them were very good. And then I played in San Diego, at this club and like 150 people showed up. Nice. And I was okay. like, I was like, okay, there's someone playing after me that I don't not aware of. And like, there wasn't, it was just me. And, and it was really, really cool. I wish I could remember the name of the club, but I always remember that. And like, wow, oh, San Diego was kick-ass. And then Rad. I played there with, I played there with the swellers at house mm-hmm. of blues. I played house of blues with Kevin seconds and Steve Soto. And then I played with the, the last one I was there was the Dropkick Murphys, but those are those don't really count because like nobody's there to see me. Like
1: <laughs> you don't know that you don't know I'm that. I'm the
2: guy. I'm one yeah. of the people they have to wait through to see the Dropkick Murphys. But it was I was still an awesome experience for me. Like it was getting up in front of like thousands of people with yeah, just yeah. an acoustic guitar, like it's mm-hmm. terrifying. And to be able to be able to like go up there and do it and like get good feedback and and uh, have be relaxed and have fun. That was. That was, you know, those guys, I'm, those are friends of mine. And I was really stoked they let me do that. That's really cool. Someone's yelling like, Mother Superior, like, shut up. I'm doing my solo album. You well, know? in San Diego, actually, I'm <laughs> up there doing my thing and like between songs. And someone yelled out like, We love you,
1: Russ. And I was like, It's pretty cool.
3: Hey,
1: San see, Diego, it ha- yeah. see, it happens for sure. Well, man, come down. Uh, we'll go to a goals game. Uh, maybe I'll book a house show. What you you know, make you some vegan food. Do some pairings. <laughs> yeah, I have a
2: booking agent now, so I'm sure she's going to keep me busy. And oh, good. Okay, I don't pro- I probably won't need a house show. I'll probably have a legit show to play, rock and roll. Uh, well, if you ever uh, do a yeah. goals game, would always be welcome. We played the New Year's Eve thing a couple times at that arena, but I've actually never been to
1: a goals game. Yeah, I've definitely seen you at those too, and th- that was through much too, so that's cool. <laughs> but, anyways, man, I appreciate this and uh, look forward to seeing you soon in any form shape or form maybe in a golf shirt i don't know you know (laughs) all right right. um i'll talk to you sometime soon all right man take care take take care peace right well yeah ladies and gentlemen everyone in between amigos y familia friends and foes uh that was russ rankin The singer of good riddance, the singer of only crime, the vocalist, uh, the solo artist. I'm going to put links in the show notes to all of the stores, like the labels around the world that are selling his record, his new record, come together, fall apart. There's links in the show notes for that. You can click wherever you live, Europe, Canada, America. Uh, if you live in other countries, I'm sure you can still get it shipped. A really good record it's a really good solo act of course according to Russ his he can't do it without his team of helpers so he always he's always uh, being humble and giving props to his bandmates producers and teammates stuff like that so good guy what a guy good stuff sounds like he's learned a lot in the course of his life I learned some things from him that I didn't didn't know that's why I do these shows because I like to learn things about the people I'm talking to and I want you to learn it too because I talk to rad people yeah this is a uh, this is a good one for me I, I'm I check this off my bucket list for sure good has been a huge part of my life my musical journey my cooking career even, um, and uh, among other things. So thank you, Russ, for taking the time to speak with me. That was fun. And I look forward to doing it again in the future and or who knows, (laughs) who knows where the road may lead. Big thanks to everyone who's still on board with the family cast, Food and Music is Life, yes. Go ahead and share this with somebody, please. Share it with a friend um, who may may love good riddance, who may like only crime, or uh, who may love just good solo music. Uh, Sounds like Russ is gonna be doing some touring, hopefully doing some more writing some more published writing um i'm trying to i'll try and encourage him to get those those that book out of his memoirs or the first three records or whatever anything he's a good writer so go back and check out some amp magazine and um some other stuff that he has been published in it's not too hard to find things nowadays with on the uh, the good old internet okay um yeah so so uh, as for as for me as far as i'm concerned don't don't worry about it i got it under control i'm <laughs> just kidding i don't have it under control but i'm still an executive chef still at Harvest kitchen doing rad things we got some fun things lined up i believe we're doing a brunch around father's day i think uh june 12th they'll be doing a brunch a food pairing brunch we're gonna be testing out some new recipes vegan stuff non-vegan stuff vegetarian friendly gluten friendly all those kind of different things testing stuff out doing some pairings of course and there'll be a record swap probably because that's what I always do and pairings and stuff like that so look look for that on the calendar at harvest underscore kitchen if you're on Instagram or just follow them, my page at the Family Cast on Instagram, and a uh, big shout out to um, big shout out to Grumpy Chef for the for some knives. They're, we're going to be doing some more more fun stuff here in the works. Shop GrumpyChefShop.com. Use code FamCast. You'll save fifteen percent on whatever it is, whatever the case may be. And uh, I will give you a money back guarantee personally on that on the knives and other stuff. Okay, other other stuff in the works, and of course big shout out to Aaron from Essex Coffee Roasters. He's in a band with Russ Rankin. He's in a band with Bill Stevenson from Descendants and. all and uh, they're, they're called only crime so I'm going to be playing some of their music after after I'm done talking but big shout out to that use code FAMCAST at EssexCoffeeRoasters.com to save 10% I believe at least 10% on your order Aaron might throw in some more goodies for you because it's fresh roasted coffee fresh brewed tea all that kind of stuff so order from Essex coffee roasters and of course liquid death you know but they don't really need my help I'm just I'm just having to be part on, on their roster they don't need me but you know whatever support them because they're doing good things with water and the, the metal and punk communities okay use code famcast there too F-A-M-C-A-S-T. Okay, I think that's about it for me. Be kind to one another. Say hi to your parents if they're still around. Protect children at all costs. um, And be good examples to them, of course, too. We we don't know how much longer the world's going to be around. So, yeah, just everybody do your part, you know? Drink more water, plant more plants, and uh, be a good person, okay? Nobody's going to agree on things these days, so we just got to kind of like be able to live and speak humbly all right that's it for me um i'm going to play some music now from russ rankin i won't play good riddance i, I was going to suggest uh if you wanted to dive into good riddance a little bit more i, I always tell you they're, they're one of my favorites and i have them on my playlist but go listen to the last believer podcast a podcast about good riddance they, they kind of wrap their their series up but because they went through all the songs but i'm sure they're going to be doing some more fun stuff but they talk a lot about good riddance and russ and all the band members and stuff like that throughout the whole course of the band's history so that's why. I didn't wholly get too much into it on this show but um i i do suggest taking a deep dive into good riddance by listening to that podcast shout out josh and dan for doing that I'm a huge fan because I'm a huge fan of Good Riddance and all the stuff that they do. So check out that podcast, and uh, that's on that's available everywhere too, all the streamers. So I won't play. I'm not going to play Good Riddance on this, but look, go listen to my kitchen playlist. I got all kinds of Good Riddance stuff and Only Crime. The Only Crime song I'm going to play today is called "To the Nines. It's the, the titular track, the title track of their debut record, uh, their debut album that was on Fat Records. It's an all star cast, of course. Um, I'm going to play "To the Nines. I just really, if you really listen to the song, you can hear all the influences of the band members that are in the band you know bill being in the descendants and all it kind of has that a little bit of that sound of course russ singing it sounds like russ rankin from good riddance because it's him and the lyrics are fun and it has it actually has a lot of different parts in the song and um zach blair who moved on to uh, move to rise against after being in only crime we talked about a little bit in the show but he's he was in the band at this time too so it's a really fun song really good rad parts so really listen listen for that uh, i do suggest you listen to only crime they have At least three full-length albums out and they're all really good and fun and you can kind of hear like I said you can hear the influence from their bands that they were in or or still are in but whatever so yeah and then um, I'm gonna play um, one of the songs from Russ Rankin's uh, come together fall apart solo album just to close out the show okay so get get that everywhere Um, it's uh, it's out it's already out it came out in January actually I'm uh, just a big fan of that so yeah i'll end the show with that and until then everybody i'll see you next time on the family cast food and music is life yes appreciate you russ thank you so much for the time and we'll talk soon everybody all right Ciao.
3: Ciao. Ciao. ciao
1: Thanks for listening to The Family Cast.